This is Pop Fizz, Episode 5, From Homecoming to Kimmy Schmidt, Part 1. Alright, and welcome to this month's episode of Pop Fizz. Uh, I'm Amanda. I'm Jane. And... Today, I have brought the nonfiction, and I'm really excited about it. So, <laughs> so I brought Beyonce's Homecoming. Oh, cool. Right. Yes. I, and I knew you had seen it, for sure. Um, I figured you had seen it. but uh, And specifically, I'm referencing the Netflix documentary Homecoming, um, which was produced to showcase Beyonce's uh, historic Coachella performance. Um, she is the first black woman to headline Coachella, um, which, uh, you know, is is a big deal uh, yeah. for, for the musically inclined. And I actually watched the entire documentary last night and this morning because I had never gotten around to watching it. I remember when they posted it on Netflix and I was like, oh, I'm so excited about this and then somehow I think it got like bumped I thought it maybe had gotten bumped off Netflix or something and so I didn't like look for it <laughs> which was I, my bad I actually haven't seen any of this so I'm very excited I like, oh really yeah I I'm excited that there is a documentary but I did not know about it so okay so yeah you're gonna be so excited Jane oh my god okay so <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to watch this. <laughs> yeah. So did you watch Lemonade? Yes. Okay. So, okay. I have to, I have this whole thing of, of things that we have to talk about today. And, <laughs> and we're going to start with Lemonade, not because of, this, this episode is about homecoming and like, but I think we can't talk about homecoming without talking about Lemonade. Well, yeah. And, I don't and, even know this documentary. I'm like, yes, we have to talk about Lemonade. Yes. So so Beyonce posits the homecoming. I mean, in her statement, when you're watching the documentary, she talks about the Coachella performance as being something that she wanted to use to kind of like simultaneously encapsulate her whole career and also feature in a very prominent and positive way black culture. And so um, I think it's a, it, it kind of functions as an artist statement, the documentary itself, while it showcases a lot of the clips from the performance, uh, it also is cut in with a lot of uh, commentary about how she kind of, um, what message she wanted the performance to carry. Mm. And so, um the message itself is what I'm most interested in. Obviously, like the performance itself is is a groundbreaking performance. Um, it's absolutely amazing. And I'm kind of sad you haven't seen it yet because I really want to talk with you at some point about the choreography because I think you will just geek out about it. And so... <laughs> um, I probably but, will. That's, that's yeah, a very good bet. It's like... It is very definitely your jam, Jane. 
But the reason that I was so interested in seeing Homecoming and had so many like very dense thoughts about it was because I had watched Lemonade. And before Lemonade, I wasn't really like a Beyonce person. And I wouldn't consider myself like a, a, a fan or anything in the sense of like the way people are fans about specific artists. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Like the yeah. like fandom kind of stuff. Well, I but I think to be a Beyonce fan is also not... Like, that is one of the fandoms you hear people talk about where they're like, don't piss them off. Like, it right. means something beyond just, I like her. I listen to her music. Right. Um, and a degree. And, <laughs> and there's definitely, like, a whole cultural movement there um, in and of itself. And so I'm not, I don't really want to, like, step into that or misrepresent myself as being some kind of, like, Beyonce super fan, but because I'm not. But. Um, I did really enjoy Lemonade, um, and, uh, and the way that it was put together was this really, had this attention to detail and this just like really beautiful aesthetic that, that really attracted me and also a narrative within the album and within the way that the, the songs were, were portrayed that I thought was very deep and engaging and right after I watched Lemonade and made all of our friends watch it, um, <laughs> I came across the Bell Hooks article. So are you familiar mm. with the Bell Hooks article? Mm, go ahead and refresh my memory. So right after Lemonade was published, Bell Hooks published this article that was somewhat scathing, wherein she essentially said, like, there's nothing revolutionary about Lemonade. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. wow that's a bold <laughs> right essentially what she was saying is and i i want to defend bell hook's position here because i i don't think what she said was entirely wrong i know i'm gonna get like some hate for that but what she's saying functionally in my interpretation of it which i'm sure she could correct me if she ever ever decided to listen to pop fizz but <laughs> <laughs> yeah <I laughs> was like where I think her critique was coming from is that uh, Lemonade and Homecoming both, I think this critique is, is viable for both mm -hmm. pieces of work are both strongly situated within a kind of capitalist space, right? Of course they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, Beyonce is a paid entertainer. And she makes no bones about it. She's not embarrassed about it. When she talks about herself and a lot of her lyrics, she talks about her, she compares herself to Bill Gates in formation. I mean, like as a positive thing. So, well, yeah. And even just the fact that, and I, oh boy, um, I'm trying to remember the name of uh, the label, it, how like you can't really stream her music through um, conventional streaming apps and things like that. Um, she and Taylor Swift kind of have this in common where they're so big that they can kind of pull their music away from where it's they can easy throw for their people. weight around. Yeah, yeah. and say, you got to pay me more and I get more control over this. And I'm not fussing at her because, you know, good for her for doing it. But in the sense of like capitalism, it, it fits with what you're saying. So I, I see your yeah. point. And so, I mean, I think that's the piece of Bell Hooks's critique that is totally viable here. But I do disagree. And I think. Bell Hooks even says like there is something here about shifting the gaze of the public um, 
to that there is a there is a shift that's happening here there is a change that that is actually being accessed when you watch these films especially as a white viewer and that's the only perspective i can bring to it really is like as a white viewer um but um to see uh black culture and black faces and black bodies sort of like become more mainstream and mm. i think when i and i guess mainstream is not really the word because beyonce has been sort of like mainstream for a long time right but it's mm-hmm. um i i have to reference back to uh contrapoints's video opulence again <laughs> for like <laughs> the only video i ever reference on youtube <laughs> <laughs> to so talk about this <laughs> yeah <laughs> She talks about at one point uh, Beyonce and Jay Z like posing in the Big museum. Yeah, 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 and um, say that they. Ha- I mean, to, to say that they have a place uh, within within culture as that they're equal essentially to anybody else. Like they're, that they're that they're present in history. That they're present in. And, and to reshape these kind of colonial narratives about black bodies in white spaces. It reminds me a little bit of, um, and this is gonna seem kind of out of nowhere, it's really more the, um, the phrasing that I like than obviously it's not one-to-one applicable, but the near video game series has a pretty good history of having um, diverse representation, at least sexual orientation I'm thinking about this in like diverse in terms of skin color, no, uh, but diverse in terms of like having a trans character. Yes, they have like an openly trans character that um, a lot of people really love. And when asked about why they include that diversity, the um, games designer was basically like trans people have always existed. You know, it's when we tell stories where we omit them that we are changing the way the world is. We're making it seem like they there's like this is something weird or rare or new. And they have always been part of society. And I think it's a similar with the ape shit music video with the Carters. And, and again, with these projects, it's going, no, we've always been around. We have been around and we've had a culture that was as worth documenting and putting in a museum. We've had art, we've had culture. Um, and that's been erased by this system. Like it's it's not active. We're going to deny your culture. It's the systemic thing where you turn a blind eye and you only focus on yourself and you only build up certain things that you cut a certain part of the world out of your own history of the world. Right, and it's an inherited racism. So it's like mm-hmm. the. So I kind of want to unpack like a couple ideas here. Sorry. So no, I was gonna say. <laughs> I want to focus on this one first, though, because I just thought of something else. So it's an inherited racism. It's like a, it's something, it's like, what is it? The, the air you breathe almost. And so um, that's actually, it brings me back to homecoming because there was a quote and I'm probably going to mangle it terribly that was displayed really early in homecoming. And I think it was from Toni Morrison, but I will put it in the show notes. Love her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bring her up in a second. Please go ahead. Okay, good. Yeah, because (laughs) she's referenced like multiple times in, um, 
in Homecoming, but she, uh, where specifically there's this quote from her um, wherein she says something to the effect of you can resist air. Um, and if you, if you surrender to the air, you can resist it. And so, which I, I kind of like wrestled with that, like what exactly did she mean by that? But the thing that I thought of immediately was how like systems like misogyny, like racism become transparent. They become like, you're moving through them. They shape who you are they shape whether or not you can breathe literally as we have seen in the past you know Oof. months Oof. oh boy that is very wow yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. but like but they're at first glance they're invisible until you actively start deconstructing them and 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 shining light on them they're invisible and that's definitely what Beyonce is trying to do with Homecoming. Um, with uh, with Toni Morrison, so the thing most people will know her for is Beloved, which is an amazing novel that I do recommend people read. Um, fun fact, I read that in high school, and I will write notes and books when I read them sometimes. And I reread oh, I it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mom enjoyed getting my copy of Jane Eyre where I'd like cuss somebody out. In the <laughs> I was really mad, but... Um, when I read, I reread Beloved as an adult. Um, when I read it as a teenager, I did not understand so much. So much went above my head and I like openly went, I don't understand this. And then I reread it as an adult and I was like, oh, <laughs> you poor dumb baby. <laughs> um, but she also, she's written a lot of other great books, but the one that I'm thinking of is The Bluest Eye, which is a story about a black girl who wants to have blue eyes. And well, she wants to have blue eyes, but she just wants to be white in a certain sense. And though the focus on it, I think Toni Morrison said once that there was a little girl who told her her wish was to have bluest eyes. And Toni Morrison thought that the girl would look really like uncomfortable. <laughs> like it would look unnatural for the girl to have blue eyes because she's a little black girl. And um, she investigated that idea. And it's this idea that uh, little black girls grow up seeing like, Reese Witherspoon and they think that's what they're supposed to look like to be beautiful and we can tell them that's not true but I can tell you that when I was a camp counselor you know not that long ago uh I am ancient but not that long ago um I had this little black girl that was in my class and I remember one day um all the kids were at lunch and they're playing on the playground and she was hanging out with me and she was, I think, the only black girl in the class. And she had really cute little poofy hair that was always with, like, little barrettes and stuff. And we were talking. And I don't remember where this came from. But she looked at me and she's like, sometimes I feel like I'm a monster. This was, like, an eight-year-old kid. And it was because her hair was poofy. And, you know, you can say to her, no, you're not. You're beautiful. You, you know, you're, you're fine the way you are. But she mentioned the fact that even her mom had straight hair. And I'm thinking, well, your mom probably uses relaxer or, you know, <laughs> but you're eight and you don't realize that that's probably not your mom's natural hair. I mean, it might have been. I didn't know her like that. But it's one of those things that changes the way you look at something. And it's when people talk about 
um, Black Lives Matter movement, when they talk about uh, Black girls having beauty standards, there is something about seeing yourself and seeing yourself as desirable uh, that I can tell you you're beautiful, but if you watch a reality TV show where you see a character that looks like you and you see people treat them a certain way, it means maybe not more, but it hits you harder. I think it's more valid. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel like someone's patronizing you. Like, no, you're beautiful. You're like, no, that person apparently is beautiful. Right. And that's the thing. So I think that is what is it. That is the part of Beyonce's efforts through Lemonade and through Homecoming. More so through Homecoming in some ways, because Homecoming is a celebration. Yeah. Um, that is so revolutionary. And I think that's actually the response to bell hooks uh, from some thinkers was essentially who were also black thinkers was essentially like, what, how in the world can you expect one person, one artist to encapsulate the entirety of, of, you know, of like black liberation in, in one work of art, you can't like, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's an impossible benchmark to to leap and um but if but if you are comparing i think if you are just looking at the art for itself and for what it accomplishes i do think there's a lot that is accomplished here and i think um uh the specifically what was really powerful to me i remember there was a moment probably about 30 minutes in Mm -hmm where I had been watching and of course there's a lot of um you know when in homecoming as with many um visual dance like spaces um for both black and white dancers a lot of times like the costumes for women are much more revealing uh you feel like because of that, the the dance moves for women and stuff are a lot more like evocative or erotic or something. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a kind of embedded desire within all of us. Not a desire, I would say, but like a a, a, a it's like a what is it? A reflex, a knee jerk reaction to judge that, right? Like mm-hmm. I think we all have that kind of uh, misogyny sort of embedded in us especially towards like black styles of dance yeah. and there was this moment about 30 minutes into the documentary where it was like somebody had just taken it was like i could feel something in my brain just shift and before that i was i was sort of uncomfortable right i was like man you know like i am very uncomfortable that this person's like body is so much on display and that they're doing all these like very intense motions that to me feel hypersexualized. And then like 30 minutes in when she's talking about the thought process of what went into the choreography and I'm seeing like some of the male dancers doing the exact same moves. And at some point I just flipped a switch and I was like, this, that's not what this is about if you are rejecting sexuality in and of itself, aren't you still just like feeding into I was gonna say, 
yeah. like ideas. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, Absolutely it does because you're still using it to determine what's valid and what's not. Or right. make you're, yeah. you're still using the male gaze to like watch make the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was the weirdest moment for me because it was just it was like, oh, I don't know. It was just this it really helped me to see and that like I I'm so looking forward to when you watch it because the choreography is in fact amazing. And I was thinking about just how much she's talking about how much work they were doing. Like they were rehearsing for like 12 hours a day and just to get all of this down and how it was about being able to enact the choreography. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's nothing. I mean, like there is a certain amount of, of, sexuality about this yes but it's it's not negative does that make sense yeah that's important too um sex positivity and it's not just like it's good to have sex or it's good to have sex but being comfortable with your body and moving it in a way that you're comfortable with um sometimes you move your body in a way you're comfortable with and you don't mean for it to be sexual but other people see it that way because they like you said have been real ingrained into a very misogynist, very straight-laced white culture. Um, right. And so people will attribute, like, this is not, you know, here or there, but growing up um, and having the dance background that I have, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how much, like, just me dancing with my friends got interpreted as being more suggestive than it really was when you're like, no, I'm just enjoying myself. I'm just exercising. Basically, this feels comfortable and natural and good. And other people want to assume it means things it doesn't. Um, it's frustrating and it's irritating. Um, and I'm glad that you see like changes in, in what's accepted and what isn't. Um, and the fact that there is more understanding that just cause you shake your hips around or, you know, yeah, thrust certain body parts, it doesn't mean that you're saying anything about yourself. You're just moving and enjoying, being comfortable and confident in your own body. The, the confidence I felt doing all that was worth whatever shit I ever got for it. Right. And that's, I, I couldn't help but like connect back some of the, like when we talk about when we're doing like um, silks work and stuff, how much the acrobatic community is about like a certain aesthetic or a certain look which was another thing that I thought was really interesting about mm -hmm. this was seeing predominantly black bodies do like choreography that was uh, very much influenced by black culture and and thinking about that in the context of like what do we think of as being respectable I mean I think respectable is very much the word here uh, when you think about ballet and the origins of ballet and how that was originally considered like a very hypersexual activity. Can I just cut in real quick and say, I never understand when people think ballet is stodgy because you cannot watch a ballet and not be watching people's crotches. Like watch right. a male ballet dancer and tell me that ain't a little obscene, but people act like it's really boring. <laughs> right. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because we've like elevated it to this space that's supposed to be like sexless. It's supposed to be about the art form. Oh boy. I know. It but I know where you're coming that, from. 
because people do act like it's like this boring, stodgy type of dance. And I remember even dancing ballet thinking that my costumes were like boring and looked like, you know, unflattering and all this. And you're thinking you're wearing a leotard. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like I like would say any of my silks choreography is like intentionally seductive, but I'm in a skin tight suit. Yep. Same. (laughs) (laughs) It is the same thing for that, except the only thing is with aerial silks. um, It's like, so if you're on stripper pole, you want as much skin to contact the pole as possible for friction. When you're on silks, you want as much skin covered as possible to prevent friction. So you will be like, I'm fully dressed, but in skin tight clothing. (laughs) Yeah. And you can't have any loose clothing because it'll get tangled in the silks. And then you will literally just be like, hi. (laughs) (laughs) and <laughs> a bunch of <laughs> please get me out someone but, go get a ladder but I think all of these like performance arts I mean to bring that back it, even uh, even these the more marginal performance arts I, I use the term marginal not in the sense of like a value here that I place on them but a value that maybe like society at large places on them that get kind of um uh, stereotyped as like hypersexual so like you know um oh my god I just blanked Jane help me I was just thinking about the fact that because of Jennifer Lopez um pole dancing is more of a thing now than pole it used dancing. to be <laughs> like well, I think no, I wasn't I wasn't thinking of pole dancing I was thinking of the particular move that I can't remember what it's called right now but it's like a really popular move in like a lot of black dance and pop dance now Are you thinking about twerking? I was thinking about twerking. Ah! I'm sorry. <laughs> How could you forget that word? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> But twerking's really hard, okay? It is really hard. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just give me a minute. Oh, that's so funny. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about twerking. And <laughs> Don't do it. No one can see you. Just say you did it and it was perfect. No, so, okay. So I want to, so you just said something that like reminded me of a point that I want to make because I know we're getting closer to time and I'm sorry. I know I've kind of monopolized this conversation, but I was really excited. That's the point. So back to the point. So what you were talking about was like, don't twerk. No one can see you, right? (laughs) (laughs) So what I realized when I was watching Homecoming to bring it back is that to be visible in a black body, like taking control of your body, moving it the way that you want to, is fundamentally revolutionary. Yeah. There is nothing that is not revolutionary about this. There are issues with like what kind of revolution you're trying to have here. You know, like are we are we trying to liberate ourselves from capitalist bondage? Like ideally that would be my preference. But that doesn't make it less revolutionary because we have to recognize that the black lived experience and the way that we police black bodies in the United States is not equivalent to the white lived experience, regardless of the capitalist structure that we're living in. I also think that the 
focus of a black artist bringing up um, their success in a capitalist structure is fundamentally different than a white person's because it is them basically saying, I beat a system that was designed to never let me win. And that means something so much more than your traditional, like blue collar uh, American dream, you know, uh, like, gosh, I'm blanking on the name. There's this uh, series of novels written by this old dude in New York. Weird story if you go down it, but basically there were always stories about like little white boy orphans who would like wind up in New York and then like get like a job and learn to save a dollar and somehow be running an empire by the end. Um, and they're really credited with like the American dream in its kind of purest form. Um, that's not what Beyonce or Drake are singing about. <laughs> um, Beyonce's got a completely different story, especially as a woman, especially as a woman with a body that is sexualized so often. So it is something revolutionary in its own way that I, I can see the frustration with like the, the system in, in that way. But I also think that there's, I don't know, I'm just excited by how Beyonce has grown as an artist. She's always had a very strong voice um, and an ability to really captivate people's attention, which is a gift. To me, Lemonade felt like a breakthrough because she's very private. She doesn't give a lot of her personal life. Um, and I understand and respect the hell out of that. Um, but Lemonade felt like amongst everything else, it felt like the biggest breakaway from something that was calculated to be successful into something that felt very honest, um, which is why you have some of the bigger style departures on that album, like uh, the, oh gosh, <laughs> what is the name of the song with his, uh, my daddy said shoot. And, and that's the kind of song that you wouldn't necessarily have expected her to ever make. Uh, and it's one of the best songs on the album, in my opinion. Um, so you're seeing her have more freedom in who she is and what she's producing. And I've Daddy, more... lessons. Daddy, Daddy lessons. Daddy lessons. Thank yes. you. And I've been more interested in her and as, as an artist over the last few years because I feel like she's broken through something. I'm, I'm not sure what, because it's not like she was never not a big deal. <laughs> but yeah. it, there's this feeling of, freedom and power that I really like seeing with her. So seeing her flex with ape shit and getting the entire Louvre and having these, like, it wasn't just the, the music video had all these black bodies in the Louvre. It was the beautiful way that they were dressed and styled so that they looked naked, but they clearly weren't. It was the gradation of shades. Um, it was the beautiful, I love the fact that she was in front of the statue that's uh, Vic Nike or Victory at Samothrace. I love that she was in front of the statues. Like that's like take eclipse it, <laughs> eclipse the statue. And um, the interesting thing is that statue, uh, when it existed in its original form, and we're going over a little, so we'll I'll try to wrap this up. But in the Greek temple, it was originally created for that statue would not have appeared in this cold setting. Um, it would have mm -hmm. been surrounded by fire pits. So that when you walked in, you felt like it was almost like you're going to a stage show. Like there was a God in the room with you, that there was something living there and moving. And it was supposed to put you in the state of awe. And it's interesting that we've taken it from this like very raw, very um, like it was designed Emotion. to make sure. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's about feeling. To this very cold, very white, uh, very static location. 
I like the idea of Beyonce uh, putting herself and her family and her culture in the Louvre. But I also kind of like just remembering that the things that were in the Louvre, like covered, talking about ballet, art always has this element of something that's wild and honest and emotional. And it's weird when it loses that to get some sort of um, veneer of cultural and um, racial elitism. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think that, that's, yeah. that's definitely like white supremacy in practice. I mean, I, I definitely feel that way. And then the thing is, people don't know they're doing it. It's like the whole the fact that Roman statues were almost certainly painted, but historians have refused to believe that for years, thinking instead that they like just knew that the white marble look was so classy. Like it was always that way. They would never have painted them in a garish way. And it's like, no, they painted them. <laughs> it's yeah. just that paint fades. Yep. There was never this um, elite culture you're thinking of. But you right. can- Right, it's a construct that we've created. Put and... other people down. <laughs> right. And as we go back and we like reclaim the full diversity of our history and our culture, I mean, to me, I know a lot of people find that frightening, but for me, it it's exciting. I'm, so. I, no, I'm with you. It makes me proud and excited to get to see more and more artists of color get the spotlight to do whatever the hell they want and to have the freedom to do whatever the hell they want, not feel like they have to pander to a white audience. Um, so, All right, cool. Well, we will see you guys back in like five minutes for us and two weeks for you.